0: Welcome to the Sunday evening service at Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia, where the Bible is opened and explained, Christians are encouraged, and Christ is lifted up. Thank you for joining us, and may your hearts be blessed as God's Word is taught. And now, enjoy this message from Pastor Lauren Regeer. Amen. Thank you, Sarah. Let others see the love, the life of Christ in me. What a great testimony that is. Great song. Appreciate that tonight. I know you have a Bible somewhere, either an electronic device that will get you to a Bible. Perhaps you have just a copy of the Bible in your hands. That's great, too. We'll take that. And let's go to Daniel chapter 2, God's prophetic blueprint. We're looking at, uh, in the evening services, um, just God's calendar for the end times. One-fourth of the Bible is prophetic. When it was written, God has much to say about future things. Ethan was reminding us yesterday, that a junior-senior banquet, he had the devotions. He's reminding us about the first and last words that are so important of Christ, and he uh, took us to that great thought that we should be followers. When all is said and done, we must follow Christ. In fact, as Jesus left this earth and ascended into glory, he said, don't be too worried about the times and the seasons. (laughs) He says, that's for the Father to know, but you be busy about winning others to Christ. And so thank you. For that reminder tonight, about tonight in music about sharing the love of Christ, the life of Christ. And, and so we're not going to be what, what some people would call prophetholics. Those that all they can talk about is trying to discern the day and the hour that Christ will come back. But we will study this portion of scripture. I think it prepares our hearts to look up. To always be waiting the return of Christ. Daniel chapter 2 is where we'll be tonight for a few minutes. Before we share uh, the elements before us, Daniel chapter 2. Men, don't forget to sign up. Ladies as well for the Mother's Day. And be inviting, of course, um, your family members for a great service as we honor our moms next Sunday morning. Daniel chapter 2. Let's begin reading in verse 19. By way of context, you know the story fairly well. Daniel was exported, actually he was deported, from Judah. In uh, in the area uh, where Jerusalem is near Jerusalem, he was exported uh, when one of the Babylonian cap- captivity waves taken to this place called Babylon, and that's re- where we pick up the story. He was probably just nineteen uh, when uh, when this all happened in chapter two, and so he's a young man in his teens, his late teens, and uh, all the soothsayers and witch doctors and wise men of Babylon could not could not remember or could not come up with the dream that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had dreamed. You know the story. You've known it since Sunday school. So he issued a decree that all of these these soothsayers, the wise men so-called, of Babylon should be rounded up and summarily killed. Well, Daniel was part of that. Only 19 or so. And here you see the response. In verse 19, or 12, excuse me, verse 12, let's begin there. For this cause the king was angry, very furious, no one could remember his dream, because he didn't tell anybody. He just says, come up with it and the interpretation. He was very wroth, angry, very furious, and commanded to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. And the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain, and they sought Daniel and his fellows, remember the three Hebrew children along with Daniel, and Daniel answered, With counsel and wisdom, Daniel was known for that, to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, which was gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. And he answered and said unto Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree so hasty from the king? Daniel will uh, be known for his boldness and his tact, his wisdom, throughout his long career in politics there in Babylon. Some believe he was 91 or 2 when he was finally. Uh, when he finally died, serving the Lord in that foreign land. Then Arioch, verse 15, made the thing known to Daniel. And Daniel went in, desired of the king that he would give him time, that he would show the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, his companions, that they would desire mercies of the God of heaven concerning this secret, that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. He answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are His. Notice please verse 21. We're talking about end time events, and what we're going to see tonight is really a biblical clue to where we are on God's prophetic calendar. Verse 21 says, God changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings, removeth kings, and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom to the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He reveals the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with him. And then he thanks the Lord. I thank thee and praise thee, O God of my fathers, who have given me wisdom and might, and hast made known unto me what we desired of thee. For thou hast now made known unto us the king's matter. Let's stop reading there. Tonight, let's just take a look at the interpreter of the dream and then the interpretation and then the invocation of the king. This is, again, the second year of King Nebuchadnezzar. He's the ruler of the great empire ruling the world at the time, Babylon. Daniel, as I mentioned, late teens and was taken captive by this world leader who is just coming to four, coming to his own power, and that's, of course, the name uh, Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, really, you'll see the word kingdom repeated many, many times in chapter 2. And the word kingdom really comes from two words that are joined together and shortened, king and dominion. And so these kingdoms that come and go are all ordained of the Lord. Nebuchadnezzar thought he was pretty big stuff. But as you look at the timeline of history, you see great kingdoms that have risen. Egypt is now nothing but a, well, well, it's more than a sandbox, but it's risen to power and has collapsed. You think of the great Soviet unions come and have been disbanded in, in, in a certain manner. and That's come and gone. Germany divided, then uh, came back and was unified. We see uh, great kingdoms like Persia. We'll see Greece and other, and in fact, uh, even Rome. Come and gone. Rome is more or less a tourist attraction right now. And so we see that God is ruling and overruling in all the kingdoms and the affairs of man. In fact, there's a day coming. If you know your Bible well, you know the verse, right? One day the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of our Lord and of His, and of his Christ. Revelation chapter 11 and verse 15. All the kingdoms of the world will bow at the foot of Christ and give final uh, obeisance to him and worship to him. Well, this young man was quite, had quite a, a storied career in the kingdom of Babylon. God used him in a mighty way to be a blessing, even in a foreign land. Here he was, a slave, a captive, a young man. And yet he uh, was able to look the king, the highest power, the ruler, right in the face and have a great response after God gave him the answer The dream that was given, first of all, to this ungodly ruler. And then, because they prayed about it, the dream was disclosed to Daniel. And Daniel, of course, came to the king and said, listen, I want you to know something. Even though I'm a captive, I'm a slave in your land. There is, I I just wish you'd underline this. You underline in your Bible. This is a good verse. Verse 28, but there is a what? There is a God in heaven. Aren't you glad for that? There is a God in heaven that reveals secrets and makes known to the King Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. Friends, from the time this dream was given to Nebuchadnezzar till this current day, it's well over 2,500 years. And of the kingdoms that this giant statue behind me represents, four have come and gone. And we're now waiting for the kingdom that will be represented by the toes on this metallic fearsome, awesome image. And let's go ahead and, and read some of these things. Daniel's the great interpreter. Let me just say a, a, one, a little more about Daniel before we move into the interpretation. Daniel was whisked away from his homeland, captured by one of the invasions of Babylon. Now, again, it's some 600, 500 years, between six and 500 years before the coming of Christ and he is, Babylon is, excuse me, is taken into captivity in, in various sieges, and one of these collected Daniel as a young man, and, and I've told you this before, but I think it's, it's worth repeating that Daniel and some of his friends were known really as the, well, the I wouldn't say the 18, but they were in that higher echelon of of uh, of academics even as young men they had great prospect and potential and it was nebuchadnezzar's way to take the very really the brain trust of all the surrounding nations the brightest the most uh, the kids with the most potential the most the ones most likely to succeed and he would take them instead of throwing them in a dungeon somewhere he took them and he wined and dined them in his own home country of and put them in the palace why did he do that? Well, he hoped, he hoped over time, instead of beating up on them and torturing them, uh, he decided by friendship to win their hearts. By goodness lavished upon them that these young men and, and, uh, uh, would, that were former leaders of their own home countries would be uh, changed in their hearts. That would come to love the treatment they received in Babylon and then when they repatriated, and returned to their own homelands, they would go with not a resentment, but a love for King Nebuchadnezzar and all things Babylon. That was his philosophy. Daniel, however, and this is a good reminder to all of you who are young, Daniel received the greatest of treatment, the most comfortable surroundings, elevated position and status, and the greatest of training. He he received all the uh, palatial treatments and, and all the food and the delicacies that Babylon could afford, but in spite of all that, this is a great reminder to all of us really, he retained his faithfulness and his loyalty to the God of heaven, though he was a captive in a foreign land, he had the power and the authority to look the king of the land in the eyes and say this, listen, even though your kingdom has taken our kingdom captive, there is a king, there is a God in heaven, amen. And he is a God that is far above thee. Verse 29, as for thee, O king, thy thoughts came into thy mind upon thy bed. Here we get into the, really the interpretation. You see a picture behind me. There's all kinds of artists that have guessed about this, but this might be as good as any guess out there. But he begins to describe what came into King Nebuchadnezzar's mind that night. And he reveals, the God that reveals secrets has made known to thee what shall come to pass. In other words, what you saw was a grand, fierce, and awesome metallic time clock. That's what it is of all the nations that will rise to power in the next few thousand years. Well, he goes on to say, as for me, this secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that I have. He deflects praise to God, more than any living, but for their sakes, that shall make known the interpretation to the king, and that thou mightest know the thoughts of thy heart. Thou, thou, O king, sawest, and behold a great image. This great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was awesome, or terrible, awe-inspiring. This image, head was of gold, breast and arms of silver, belly, thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet of part iron and part clay. And here's how the dream ended. Thou sawest till a stone that was cut without hands, representing Christ, which smote the image upon his feet that were iron and clay mixed and brake them to pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, the gold broken to pieces together and became like chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind simply blew them all away. Carried them away, that no place was found for them, and the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. So, what happens then? As uh, as, as Daniel begins to interpret the dream, or the verses that follow, he says, "This is the dream." Verse thirty-six, and we will tell the interpretation thereof. Now we go from the interpreter, a young man of great character, high nobility, wonderful intellect, humble spirit willing to pray that God would give them the dream, here then is the dream interpreted. This is the dream, he says, and we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. The king is still wondering, so what does this all mean? Thou, O king, art a king of kings. I'm sure he was glad to hear that. For the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. Do you know, just by way of a aside here, that no one has power or authority vested of and in themselves. Remember what the Lord told Pilate when he stood before Pilate? Pilate had him in custody. And Pilate said, do you know that I have the power to put you to death? And what did the Lord say? Remember what he said? You have no power at all, John chapter 19, unless it's given thee God himself. Isn't that amazing? Do you know that no ruling authority in the world today has any power except and unless God has given it to them? And so we see here. Yeah, this, is a, <laughs> this always strikes me as just a bold statement from a teenager. I, I, I hope when you read the Bible, you put yourself in the story. Put yourself there as an observer. Here's a teenager all the way from a foreign land standing before a king and saying, King, let me tell you something. You ain't got nothing unless it's given to you by God himself. I think that's good for all of us to remember, right? Everything God gives us is a gift of His grace, comes by His design, His order, His plan. And whosoever, verse 38 says, uh, And wheresoever the children of men shall dwell, the beasts of the field, the fowls of heaven, hath He given unto thine hand, and hath made thee, God did, made thee ruler over them all. Thou art this head of gold. And after thee, in descending order of worth, we see different metals, um, precious metals and so forth, listed. And after thee shall rise another kingdom inferior to thee, and another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. Fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron, forasmuch as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things, and as iron that breaketh all these, shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes part of potter's clay mixed with iron, the kingdom shall be that kind of final kingdom represented by the feet and toes. There shall be in it the strength of the iron, forasmuch as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay, and as the toes of the feet were part of iron, part clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong, partly broken. There will be internal divisions in that final confederacy. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. And in the days of these kings, please mark this, shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom, a final kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever the final kingdom the, the eternal state ruled of course by god himself for as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands that it brake in pieces the iron brass clay silver and the gold the great god hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter and the dream is certain and the interpretation thereof is sure because it comes from the god of heaven who makes no mistake every prophecy every word of his is sure and amen God will not fail. and So he, he really sets up in in vision form a, an image, a fearsome image, really, a shiny, awesome, fearful image in the mind of, and it's amazing to me, I don't know if uh, if Nebuchadnezzar was just playing with his wise men and soothsayers and so forth, how he could not remember this, but uh, certainly God jogs his memory. How many of you had a, have you ever had a dream that's so startling that you actually just, just almost sat up in bed. It was just so fearsome and so scary. Anybody had a dream like only me? Okay. A few of you have maybe. Um, and you just want to wake, uh, wake your wife up and say, honey, I got to tell you about this. But then you're scared that's, that that, that's, that might not go over very well at that time of the night. But he had this terrible dream and he couldn't remember all the details. He asked for someone to give him the details and then the interpretation. Of course, all the soothsayers, yeah, if you'll give us the dream, we'll make up a story. But here's one who is really divinely guided, Daniel, with the uh, exact details, the exact interpretation, the dream that I'm telling you about is certain, and the interpretation thereof is sure. This is how the future of kingdoms will unfold. And he goes, uh, goes on to say uh, that these kingdoms uh, and these metals were, uh, were represented different different kingdoms. Daniel would uh, prophesy through the kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar of Babylon, Darius the Medo-Persian and Cyrus from Persia and then his life would end. But uh, he held high the banner of character and truth in a very difficult place. Well the solver of mysteries, Daniel, he's called that in the Bible the interpreter of dreams begins to reflect on what this means. And he says first of all, uh, verse 29, he says this, that uh, thy thoughts came upon into thy into thy mind upon the bed, what shall come to pass hereafter. And so he reveals the secret of this, uh, maybe you can read the words on the screen behind me, but each one of these metals in descending purity, descending worth, in declining strength and power represent all the ruling really the biggest powers that the world would see from Babylon on even into our time. Five coming kingdoms, four of which have already come and gone. The head of gold, of course, Daniel says represents Babylon, the chest of silver. He would go on to disclose as the Medes and the Persians. They would come and follow uh, the the kingdom of Babylon. And then the belly and thigh of bronze uh, represented, of course, Greece. And then the legs of iron, the two trunks or branches of the um, the Roman Empire, the feet then of iron and clay this is the really this is the one that we are anticipating a revived coalition, a confederacy of ten nations that will come together and be the final the final real world empire before we see the return of the great king who will come rolling from heaven a stone. Cut without, made without hands, and will destroy this and like chaff blow this whole system of world empires away. It will be no trouble for God to take care of business when He returns. Notice now, verse thirty-four. Thou sawest that the final kingdom will be initiated by a stone that's cut out without hands, which smote the image upon the feet that were of iron and clay and break them into pieces. So beginning with Babylon. And then Persia, Greece, each leader would try to really coalesce the world, uh, and and they would. They would gain great following, and for a great amount of time, I think some of the dates are listed behind me here on the screen, how these kingdoms rose to power and then fell into disrepair. Usually it was a moral issue that caused these kingdoms to vanish away. But each kingdom was followed by another successive kingdom, and the Bible says inferior in power, a progression downward. The Holy Roman Empire, uh, we we'll call it holy and, and tongue-in-cheek there a little bit, was represented by the two legs of iron. And the right leg of the image fell in 476, and the eastern branch lasted, some think, some commentators would attribute till 1453 AD. That was the Byzantine Empire. And now we get to the question, so where are we on this divine blueprint? Where are we in this um, this amazing vision, what, where do we where, where, does, where are we on this chart right now? Well, uh, Daniel uh, would go on to, in chapter seven, add to this uh, kind of a vision that God gave to him only, and it's about the four beasts. And we see in the background, the final beast will be the one with ten horns, the dragon with ten horns. And just as that image had ten toes, so we see that uh, the, uh, the, the dragon there will have ten horns. We believe this is the empire that will be ruled. The ten toes uh, will be ruled by the Antichrist. And we have not seen this coalition yet come together. We believe it will happen. I say we, many commentators, believe that this will happen in the final days. Uh, Ethan, could you run back to that former slide? We believe that it'll happen in the last um, the last uh, bit of time before the Antichrist comes to power. And there's great, uh, there's great uh, debate, really, as to whether we will know or see this coming together of these 10 uh, European nations where the seat of Rome's power once was, that area of the world, We don't know whether uh, these these will come together before God calls the church and rapture home to be with himself, or even if the Antichrist will be known as a world leader or not before the church is raptured. But we're beginning to see, and they have for many years, a stirring, a desire for this ten-toe confederacy, this ten-horn confederacy, in fact. In in Daniel chapter 7, the the Lord makes it clear that this antichrist, this dragon represented of course by the devil himself, the antichrist will be demon possessed and he will have a lust for a couple he things, have lust for power and he will have a lust for worship. And his greatest enemies, his arch enemies will be the people of God and Christ and God himself. And so there'll be this final cataclysmic war that takes place, the last half of the tribulation, the seven last years in uh, human history in terms of uh, the political powers listed in, by this image. And so we see the coming together as, as Russia begins to stir herself. In fact, I didn't mention this earlier. A missionary that was supposed to be with us tonight, uh, Tycho Agamalian, called me this week and said, I can't be there tonight. He said, please forgive me. He says, we are in the midst of it here in Ukraine, helping the believers just to survive. If you'll forgive me for not coming, he says, I will hope, hope I make it back to you when we get back to the States. But right now there's a huge crisis as the bear of the north is stirring himself. And, and, and we see because of that, there's this, there's this fear in the, in the European community Who's going to stand for us if the bear gains much strength up there in the north? How are we going to stand all these separate littler nations, smaller nations with less power and armament? How are we going to stand? And so what we're going to see in the years ahead, in the days ahead, is this desire to be joined together. And we've seen stirrings of this over the years. Many confederacies have been really initiated and some continue we have, of course, NATO, the European Commission, the European Union, United Nations, unification, of course, of some of these uh, nation states, the Common Market, the Treaty of Paris. All these are calls, in a sense, really early in uh, nature, but a call for combined strength and unity, for protection. And I would say this, these nations in Europe have really looked to the West, looked to America, to be their protector. And what is happening? Have you noticed? We are beginning to lose our strength and power as a nation. And no longer, I say no longer, uh, it may depend on who's in the White House, who's in office as our president. But we no longer have, it seems, the will to be the protector of the world. And so now there's a greater stirring in Europe to gain strength from inside themselves there. And we we see the, really the table being set for a coming together there in that part of the world. It's, great, it's with great interest, I believe. Our eyes are following the events in Europe. Years ago, when the UN General Assembly first met, then President of the Assembly, Paul Henry Spock, said this, We don't need more committees. We have too many committees already. What we want is a man of sufficient stature to hold the allegiance of all people, and to lift us out of the economic morass into which we are sinking. Send us such a man, and be he God or be he devil, we will receive him. Amazing. The world is hungry for a man who speaks with authority and power. This man will come as a great leader, speaking great things, Daniel chapter 7. He'll have a loud mouth, proud spirit. He will be energized by the devil himself, and he will gain power of these ten toes. <laughs> Although they are mixed and the weakest of all the elements, uh, he will gain their love and affinity and affection. In fact, even Israel itself will join and bow in allegiance to him. He will sign a treaty with Israel early on in the tribulation, which he will break midway through and begin to persecute the people of God as no other leader. And so you see the interpreter, the interpretation are really of this time clock. God gives us a divine time clock for up to 2,000, almost 700 years now as, as these nations have come and gone. And we see again how God has used this picture given to a young teenage boy back in the day of what's coming forth, what shall be. And then I, I want you to just notice as, as we close up shop tonight, I want you to notice what Nebuchadnezzar Does you see it in verses 46 and 47 after the interpretation comes from this young man who's given the gift by God to be a really a a revealer of secrets, so to speak? And we get the exact prophecy of all these nations that are coming in great detail. Then King Nebuchadnezzar, what do you think he does? He, verse 46, falls up 46, he falls upon his face and Worship Daniel, commanded that they should offer. Now, that's misdirected worship, isn't it? He he, he doesn't. Some people argue whether Nebuchadnezzar came to know Christ or not, the God of heaven, Jehovah, but he worships Daniel. He's amazed and commanded that they should offer an oblation and sweet odors to Daniel. And the king then has a correct assessment here says, Of a truth, it is. Verse 47, Daniel chapter 2, that your God, he really confirms what Daniel says in verse 28. He says, of a truth it is that your God is a God of gods, a a, a Lord of kings, and a revealer of secrets, seeing thou couldst reveal these secrets. Isn't it good to know that God has a plan? Amen? Amen? And that plan is marching faithfully forward. And that though nations rise and fall, God has a plan. And after the last confederacy comes to, uh, comes to power, God will come with great power, greater power, destroy these kingdoms of this world. And as the book of Revelation tells us, the kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. Thank you for joining us today. Please tune in each week for new messages from Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you.